It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're joined by Mike at Bengals underscore Sands, Santagata, to do some deep dives into potential first-round targets for the Cincinnati Bengals. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network here on Lockdown Bengals, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Make sure you hit that follow button, that subscribe button to get us delivered to your eyes and ears first thing every day. And we appreciate you making us your first listen. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and let them know that Lockdown sent you. Hey, guys, let's talk about some draft picks some potential first-round draft picks for the Cincinnati Bengals. We're joined today, as I mentioned, by Mike underscore, nope, Bengals underscore Sands, Mike Santagata. <laughs> Find him on Twitter. He's going to get you some video clips, some articles over at allbengals.com, all you need leading up to the draft, some great scouting reports. I want to do some deep dives. We're going to do this as a series leading up to the draft with Mike. Today, we're going to focus on three first-round names, a couple of which I think Bengals fans may be a little too down on. Tyler Linderbaum, Kyler Gordon, Kyer Elam, a couple of guys that I think Bengals fans have potentially written out of the first round, and one guy that I think Bengals fans might be looking at as an ideal case. We're going to start, though, with maybe... James and Mike's ideal case for the first round, who some of you think can't play in the NFL, I guess. And that's Tyler Linderbaum, the standout center from Iowa. Obviously, there's some length weight issues there. He didn't test. We don't know how strong he is, although you can see it on tape. You don't know how agile he is or how fast he is, but you can see these things on tape, right, Mike? Absolutely. I mean, this is a guy that on tape looks like a 95th, 98th percentile athlete. He's not like the most athletic person I've ever seen, but I mean, for that size, close to it. I mean, just a step down from the Jason Kelsey's of the world. This guy, I have no questions based off film on his athleticism. Mike, when you see people say, ah, 31 and an eighth inch arms, and man, he's just the next Billy Price. And naturally, that's what Bengals fans are going to uh, point to. Your thoughts after diving into the film and watching Linderbaum, your, your response to that. So when you think of Billy Price, I mean, even in college, what's the first thing you could think of as something that was like super positive? Like, this is why we're drafting because it felt a lot like, well, he's not bad at uh, anything, but he has short arms. He's a <laughs> good guy. Never- He's a great got guy. The intangibles. <laughs> He's got uh, in the intangibles, sure. With Linderbaum, things pop on tape. Like he has like superpowers. I mean, it, his first step, I think, is Jason Kelsey level. Like his first 
step or two. I don't know if he has the long speed to run downfield with a defensive, like a safety and block them. But I mean, linebackers, defensive linemen, he routinely, and this isn't normal when they run like a wide zone, which the Bengals will most likely run plenty of next year. When they run that, they don't even a lot of times give him help on a three technique, which is outside of the guard. They're just like, you could reach that. <laughs> Let's give our guy a straight line at the linebacker. And he does like, he doesn't fail at doing that. Like that's absurd. Um, and then to go with that, when he does get help and he works those combination blocks, one of the best I've ever seen at knowing exactly when to come off or when to take over. Like he just a natural feel, but maybe he works on this a ton with all of his like linemen that he works with. And Hey, I thought the two guys that'll be next to him if they draft him were also pretty darn good on these blocks, but it's just insane to see him at Iowa. He reaches three tech. He gets a little bit of help. And when, once the guy leaves to the second level, he's just shifting over cause he's an athlete <laughs> and shifting his feet, moving over flexible. It just seals him off. He gets in the perfect uh, lane that way. Or if he's going the other way, maybe there's a one tech or a head up nose and he gives the help to like post them up. The other guy drives him, and once he feels that other guy is ready to take over, he goes to the second level, and he's a monster at the second level. He'll drive those guys off <laughs> out of the screen. So when you think of Billy Price, I couldn't tell you – it's been a while, but I couldn't tell you, like, what was his best trait, like, on the field? Not be his leadership or his intangibles or anything like that. Like, physical trait on the field, I couldn't tell you what his best one because he wasn't this level of an athlete. And Linderbaum, it's easy to tell you what his best trait is. It's all that athleticism, the flexibility. And he's, despite that size, he is nasty. He is a big tone setter, glass eater, all of those phrases that you want to hear. He drives guys into the ground. When they face Penn State, he drove Brandon Smith into the ground, I think, six times. And I thought Brandon Smith would have to square up at some point because <laughs> these are like uh, the ball got released, but he's just going to keep driving them into the ground. It's just like rude. And <laughs> it, it made me go, oh, I don't know if I want Brandon Smith. if He's getting bullied like this. But uh, yeah, I, the guy has there's so much to like about him. And that's that's the main difference with him and Billy Price is with Billy Price. You saw him and you thought, OK, he should be solid with Linderbaum. You see him and you can go, OK, this guy could be elite. And what are you looking at when you're evaluating centers? You talked a lot about some of the run blocking stuff there. I think James is like, okay, tell me, can he pass block or tell me how is he going to help protect Joe Burrow? How is he going to get communication right along this offensive line? How is he going to handle stunts? How is he going to combo with Ted Karras and in pass protection if Karras has to move out to left guard? So if you're looking at price as a potential Bengals fit, what what are the primary things you're looking at? And what are the things that, you know, he can bring in a pass protecting standpoint or is the size something to be worried about there? So Linderbaum, uh, the size, this, that was one of my negatives is that I don't think it's terrible. I don't think the size really shows up that much, but when he faces like a big, big nose, and this almost happens more in the run game, he doesn't really move them that well by himself. And so you need to give him a little bit of help there and he could take a, initial contact he can take a little bit of blowback but he is quick to drop his anchor which is honestly more important than the five or ten pounds that he can put on he plays with good pad level uh and with the stunts everything that i didn't see anything concerning pre-snap or post-snap with him to think "Ooh, they the he keeps missing uh 
like a, a saw blitz, a Sam will blitz at the same time. He, he's not picking that up or putting his guys in the right situation. Or if they're sending four, four week, he, he's sliding the line, but he's not sliding. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Anything like that. They're, they're sliding the wrong way. I've never thought that. And when it came to stunts, I mean, there's just, I never saw him fail on a stunt really. And even though he suffers initial blowback a little bit, uh, he's able to, able to pick up those penetrators eventually and move them over or the looper that you might knock him back a little bit, but he quickly anchors down protects. I think he's a good pass protector. Now I do think where he could be a lead is in the run game. I don't know if he ever gets to being an elite pass protector. If you face a Vita Vea, um, um, the, well, they've got DJ Reader, so he doesn't have to worry about that. But <laughs> some of the uh, real, some of the real good like pass rushing those tackles, and that doesn't mean guys that get a ton of sacks, but guys that can really push the pocket. Maybe you want to give him a little bit of protection. I mean, this is what the Eagles do with Jason Kelsey. You just kind of attach at least one guy close by to his hip, and you know maybe he's trying to drive him over to his help, uh, and Alex Kappa takes his head off <laughs> because you know you've got five guys there, and uh, unless they're going to send five, you've got one to help out. Um, so I think, and overall, I think center pass protection, it's almost more about the processing and getting your quarterback and offensive line in the right place than it is really being able to one-on-one pass protect because even though the league's shifting to these odd fronts with a head-up nose tackle a little bit more, A, usually those guys aren't the best pass rushers, and then B, to go with that, that happens maybe 50% of the time. Most of the time, you're uh, especially on passing downs, you face that four-down even front without a head-up nose. So... I, I don't have too many concerns about the pass protection, although I guess you, you could have a, a mild worry about facing somebody like Vita Vea and you want to leave um, Alex Kappa tied to his hip. So would you see this as a significant upgrade for the Bengals offensive line overall, considering the positional value is just uh, is it worth the 31st pick, I guess? Absolutely. He's in uh, my tier one of uh, I hope the Bengals draft these guys because I want to watch them in stripes. Uh, I think he'll add value to the team. I think I mean, in the run game, too, it's just night and day will be the difference. And I think the center is pretty important on wide zone to be able to reach those three techs. So Trey Hopkins coming off the ACL is a little slow getting out of his stance and things like that. This guy's not going to be slow getting out of his stance. And I don't think you're going to, I think you'll see an upgrade in pass protection too, especially over last year. So overall upgrade in every uh, facet of the game, despite the uh, dinosaur arms, I'm into it. Mike, you, you wrote um, when they signed Lyle Collins that they, just signed the best right tackle they've had since Willie Anderson. So I'm going to put you on the seat here. If they draft Tyler Linderbaum 31st overall, is that the best center they've had since our good buddy, Rich Bram throwback half of our listeners probably don't even remember him, but uh, is it, is it fair to say that you think? Yeah. And I think honestly, you could be looking five years down the line that this is the best center they've had since somebody was before I was born. <laughs> um, I, I think he could end up better than Rich Brand, Richie Bram. So <laughs> I think you could be looking at an all pro guy. I mean, you're, this is to me was a top 15 talent in the draft and he doesn't test and his arms come in short and you're going to drop him down to 31 and happily take that. A contender. Well, at yeah. 31, James would be a guy like Kyer Elam, I think. I think that they're probably looking at defense first. We've had that feel since the combine. We'll dive into some Kyer Elam tape, some strengths, some weaknesses, and how he stacks up with Tyler Linderbaum coming up next. Yeah, maybe if Linderbaum isn't there, they could settle for Elam. 
Anyways, I'm just kidding. Uh, Bet Online is your number one spot for all of your sports betting needs, including the draft, which is this month. I can't believe the NFL draft is here. You can wager on all things draft in one spot. Bet Online. And yeah, college hoop season is done, but the NBA playoffs, well, they're almost here. And LeBron's Lakers on the outside looking in. Can Jake's Bulls rally and, and recover after what's been kind of a lull at the end of the season? Well, if you think so, you can wager on that and so much more at Bet Online, a one-stop shop for all of your sports wagering needs information. It's free to sign up. So check them out today on your mobile device, PC or laptop at Bet Online, where the game starts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm not very confident in the Bulls' ability to beat good teams, James. Just going (laughs) to say that one thing about the Bulls, and we'll move on to Kyrie Elam, because when you talk about Linderbaum as a potential All-Pro, it's hard to imagine sitting at 31, picking between these two guys, and they might both be gone. Very, very real case where they're both gone. But it's hard to imagine sitting there picking between these two guys and saying, okay, we could get an all-pro offensive lineman to go with all of this investment we've put into our offensive line, or potential all-pro, I should say. Or we could get a corner that's really good. I think that there's you know, a positional value thing there that makes you consider the corner still quite deeply. But that begins to be difficult. So let's imagine that Linderbaum isn't actually falling into the second round. That Linderbaum has been drafted. Many corners have been drafted potentially, but somehow Kyrie Elam is still available. What's the what's the top level view of Kyrie Elam as a strengths, weaknesses, cornerback prospect in this year's draft, Mike? Kind of a prototypical um, press man type corner. And that doesn't mean he's bad at zone coverage. I think he also is a very quick processor to play those zone and match coverages. And they asked a lot of him at Florida. I mean, to pass things off, communicate, pre-snap. There was a a lot to go with it. And uh, I think when I think of him, A, I always think of his stance because he gets so low. He's got the flat back. He's in like a perfect corner stance. It's like teach tape stuff or he's got his arms down, down bent at the knees, good shin angle to really throw some power into his punch. And then to go with that, I mean, his, he's got a variety of techniques. He's got like a Batman uh, level tool belt to just throw out whatever he wants as a jam. He's got the two hand, the one hand he's got immediate stuff. He likes to glide and then jam. Sometimes, sometimes he just mirrors and doesn't jam. So he really keeps receivers on their toes. I think uh, he does a really good job of like squeezing routes to the sideline and he plays physical. I think he's got smooth hips and uh, moves well like that. So there's, there's a lot to like uh, as a press man type corner. I also think you have to talk a little bit about at least two of the negatives with him when I think of the top down view and it's a, he's not a very good tackler, both taking angles and 
wrapping up all that stuff. He doesn't really do that very well. <laughs> and then B, he's also a little grabby. Uh, and that happens with your press man corners who like to put their hands on receivers. Sometimes when those receivers break, they uh, still like to keep their hands on receivers and they get flagged. So I think of uh, the positives and the negatives about him. He's kind of your prototypical man, press man type corner. As far as fit goes, do you see him as a, a plug and play type fit with Lou Anarumo? Do you think he's salivating at the idea of getting a guy like Elam? And I, I got to be honest with you. I think when people say corner at 31, including a lot of our listeners, they think instant starter guy who's going to come in and take Eli Apple's job from him. Do you foresee that happening if they were able to take Elam and, and he was there at 31? Hmm. I think you could. I think he definitely could come in and give you Eli Apple level production. I think it's also possible. They really, really like Eli Apple and maybe they let Elam wait because he's on a one year deal. And, and when you're a corner and you start and you become a marked man, sometimes that label's hard to shake, even when you become pretty good and they still target you a lot, which <laughs> sometimes means you start getting all these interceptions, but sometimes means that uh, you, you th they start throwing the ball a lot to really good receivers against you perfectly. And your, uh, your stats go up for um, giving up yardage and everything. So I could see that going either way. If it was me, I'd just start Elam. I, I don't, I don't care too much. I, I think he'll be able to be an immediate positive contributor he, I don't think he'll be. I don't think he'll come into the league any worse than uh, Eli Apple was last year. Although Eli Apple was pretty good last year, so maybe. Um, but it wouldn't be much worse. And uh, he could also come in the league better than him. I, I think he has that ability too. I, I'd say immediate starter with plus upside. One of my favorite traits in corners, as I've told you, I think when we've discussed corners and DMs and whatnot, is. How good are they at playing the ball in the air? How comfortable are they with the ball in the air? This is a Joe Goodberry lesson, a Joe Goodberry takeaway from my years of working with him on preparing our draft boards. One of the things that really seems to separate, once you have the baseline of athleticism, the baseline of other technical competencies, a big separator is, do you panic with the ball in the air and get grabby? Or do you panic with the ball in the air? And, and you know, well, I guess I'm thinking of Drake Kirkpatrick. Right. Versus uh, William Jackson's rookie year. I know many Bengals fans don't remember William Jackson super fondly at this point, but well, his second year, his second year, second yeah. year. Sorry, his first year playing when he he got his hands onto a lot of passes. Kyrie Elam with the ball in the air. How is he? I think good. And I think this is where his baseball background comes in. He really tracks the ball down the field. Well, despite being grabby, he doesn't really get grabby at the catch point. He usually does a really good job of playing through the hands and breaking up passes that way. Not a lot of interceptions. I saw him drop one or two, and that's just being a corner. I mean, a lot of, a lot of those guys that are that size and that fast, they play wide receiver if they could catch really well. So you're usually not getting a guy unless you're getting Trevon Diggs uh, that catches everything. So not the best at catching the ball, but he has good ball skills to break passes up. And I don't. he's very patient and calm he's got like a resting heart rate i think of 45 when the ball's in the air it feels like <laughs> it feels like he's never really panicked when the ball's in the air he, he he plays it like okay i'm gonna play through your hands i'm gonna knock this ball down and <laughs> it's gonna suck for you guys to have to go to fourth down what's if there was one or two things we knew with Linderbaum, it doesn't take you know a rocket scientist or a football junkie to know the biggest concern with him is size What's the biggest concern, the biggest red flag, the thing that stands out the most, specifically tape-wise, 
that, and it might be a measurable that you, you notice, but what, what is it? Yeah, definitely not a measurable. I don't think, uh, but on, on tape, there was a, um, it was the two things I mentioned and I'll go with, uh, being grabby at the break point. And like I say, he's not grabby at the catch point, but he does get grabby at the break point. And in the NFL, they're less lenient about that. And he was already picking up some holding and pass interference calls because of it. Yeah, you never want to become a penalty magnet. Defensive penalties are backbreakers because they're almost always a first down. So yeah, you definitely don't want to see that on third down. I think that needs to get coached out of him a little bit. But that's my main concern. The other one is that he's not – he's just not going to contribute a ton tackling. I think he can hit guys like after they catch the ball. But like a running back running right at him, I don't feel great about him making that tackle <laughs> and uh, uh, or taking the right angle at it. Um, but that to me is something that's much more coachable and heck you get into a culture where they yell at you, no plays off and we're going to run 11 of the football all the time, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I I didn't watch him, but was Eli Apple a great tackler uh, when he was in New York and New Orleans and everywhere? I'd never heard anybody talk about it, but he was for Cincinnati. So maybe they can coach him up that way. And it seems like they do like to have those types, but uh yeah, I'd say mainly the grabbiness, but a little bit of the tackling too. Great tackler, Eli Apple. You're going <laughs> he is. You see Great the, the Tyreek Hill? Yeah, you saw the Tyreek Hill play uh, third and goal or I whatever. I also recall some plays where he missed tackles that led to touchdowns. The other saved thing the about – the season. Adam Thielen, week one, was a big one, but he saved the season in the AFC title game. Go ahead, Jake. It's, it's go, it goes both ways. I, I think he's a average tackler probably. With his track record, uh, great was probably thing, a little high. <laughs> great, great might be a little bit high. Maybe we can, maybe we can settle on good. The o- the only other thing with Kyrie Lam I wanted to mention real quick is good size. He's almost he's six one and a half, a little bit light maybe at that height at one ninety one. Ran well, and if he looks fluid on tape, good explosion. That's a lot, a lot to like there, and. Is a reason that you could see him being gone again by the time the Bengals pick. So the last guy we're going to talk about today is Kyler Gordon, who ran a 4-5-240. Many Bengals fans have written him off, but I think everything else athleticism-wise is there, and I don't think that he is off the Bengals board at 31. So we're going to take a dive there coming up next. But first, a word from Rock Auto, because whether the Bengals draft a corner, maybe an offensive lineman, one thing's certain, they want them to be reliable, and you want reliable transportation. And that's why you got to get to rockauto.com because they're going to keep you on the road as we get into those warmer summer months when you don't want to get stranded on the side of the highway. They're going to do that for less. They're going to keep your automobile on the road. So check them out right now at rockauto.com. Don't pay 30, 50, 100% more for, well, quality parts that you could get. Yeah. At the dealer or you could get at these big box stores, but you're going to spend more and they're not going to be delivered right to your house. And you're not going to be able to shop in your fuzzy slippers like you're able to do with rockauto.com. So get to rockauto.com, a family owned business right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. I'd use them. You should too. Be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, guys, let's talk Kyler Gordon. Kyler Gordon ran a 4-5-2-40, which on a fast track in Indianapolis stood out like a sore thumb as a slow time. The way that other guys were running in Indy this year, the combine was crazy fast. Historically, a 4-5-2 is in the 60th percentile. It's actually slightly above average, but our standards have elevated. Historically for the Bengals, they don't care a ton about how fast a corner runs a 40. In fact, I think William Jackson stands out as the only recent example who's been particularly fast that the Bengals have drafted in first round in the first round at corner. Everything else Kyler Gordon did at his pro day was elite athleticism stuff. He's 5'11 and a half. He's 194, so the size is fine. He benched 20 reps of 225 at 194, which is pretty crazy to me. Uh, that's uh, in the 95th percentile for corners all time. He jumped out of the jumped out of his shoes. Great jumps, great agility drills. So you put it all together, and you have an RAS score, a relative athletic score, which is work that Math Bomb does. You can go check him out on Twitter. Of 9.68, 96.8th percentile of a combined athleticism score for corners. Of course, athleticism isn't everything. Speed isn't everything. So here we are with Mike to talk about what's visible on film for Kyler Gordon. So let's talk again from a top-down start. What's the high-level view of Kyler Gordon, Mike? Oh, very fun. He moves inside out. um, Despite Washington seemingly loving to play cover three like they are the other Washington uh, NFL team, Seattle, in the (laughs) mid-2010s, just having their quarters bail out a lot. Uh, he he was really fun because they'd move him inside. They let him play a little bit of box. They let him play outside. I think he, I think he might be at his best when he's able to play inside because he does fit the run a little bit like a maniac, and that's where his short area quickness that is like elite and he's very explosive. This all matters because he's a little bit tighter area. I do think the four five two on the fast track, maybe four five five on a real track. I don't know. He's decided to sit on it for his pro day, which means he doesn't think he's going to do better. (laughs) Um, I think that does show up just a little bit um, when they did challenge him deep and uh, he'd be pressed or something. And he really has to put his head down and run. It felt, it didn't feel like a four, three athlete, which I think some people thought he might've been able to run, which I think they may have been fooled by like the explosion that in his first, 10 20 yards i just don't think he has that next gear to hit a flying i think they call it the the flying 20 to really fly fly down the field and keep up with your four three athletes so i think he's uh very interesting i think he's all around good solid he almost reminds me of like a stronger more uh more crazy in a good way darquez denard where you could play him outside a little bit but I don't know. I, I He might be at his best inside. And I mean, with Gordon, it, it's, it's like, where do you want, what do you want him to do specifically? Cause he could play outside. He could take away that side of the field a little bit, but he could also blitz off the slot. They sent him on a lot of slot blitzes. He timed those well. And he's got the arm length and everything to play outside though. I, I think he's interesting. Um, I'm not, 
a hundred percent sure on the Bengals, but um, I'd be into the pick because I just think he's a very fun player. Mike, as far as his ball tracking go, uh, how is he? Um, and, and then tackling as well. Those are two things that the Bengals, you know, are, are going to ask him to do. And if he's not the fastest, but he tracks the ball well, maybe that makes up for it. So how does he do uh, against the deep ball and, and track the ball in the air? I think he does pretty good tracking the ball. I thought Elam was better at it. Um, if we're going to compare those two corners side by side, I do think he's a heck of a lot better tackler than Elam because, like I mentioned, he fits the run. I mean, he does it well. He He's a really good tackler. I think he hits well. He he can cover uh, tight ends and bring them down when they catch the ball, takes down running backs. And not only all that, but he does a good job of ripping the ball out and forcing fumbles too. He's trying to rip that ball out, get a turnover rather than just make the tackle. But if somebody else is a tackle, they start ganging up. He's the guy that's ripping the ball out. And sometimes he tried to do that in solo situations too. So there's quite a bit to like in those two areas, specifically the tackling, I think is something that Lou Anarone will be very excited to have. What would make you hesitate on Kyler Gordon if you're the Bengals? So historically, I'll just give some context here. The last three corners they drafted in the first round, William Jackson obviously ran well. He ran a 4-3-7. But before that, it was Dark Lesnard, 4-5-1, and it was Drake Kirkpatrick, 4-5. Now, one of those players, I think, turned out a little bit better than the others. But in, in every other category, Kyler Gordon checks their boxes and, and they don't seem particularly picky about speed, at least just looking in recent history. A lot of 4-4 four, four corners, 4-4 four, four something corners, but it's also just kind of the way the position goes. Darius Phillips, another 4-5 something athlete. Uh, so if you're the Bengals and you like corners to tackle, you like corners that play the run, you like corners that might be able to help against, you know, the Lamar Jacksons and the, and the, uh, the Nick Chubbs of the world. What what gives you pause? Is it that you, you think he maybe can't play outside? I don't even know if it's say he can't play outside. I think I, I, I'd play him outside and I'd feel okay about it. I do think if you're drafting an outside cornerback, Elam would be the way to go if they're both on the board, but it's very possible they're not both on the board. So maybe you're looking at Kyler Gordon versus some of those interior offensive linemen or uh, maybe a defensive lineman or whatever, safety, something like that. And you think, well, we could play him outside for now. And then maybe as he – grows and maybe we could find another outside corner and then you could really use him as a versatile chess piece to move wherever you want um i i just think you might maximize his potential if he was inside now i understand that probably positional value would want you to have your first round pick outside because slot corners a little devalued in comparison i mean mike hilton's one of the best slot corners in the league and he's getting like seven million but the best outside corners get like 17 million so um, there is there is a pistol value as to why you wouldn't move him inside. I just think he would be so fun, interesting, and a great player on the inside. On the outside, I just have like mild concerns of he did a lot of bail coverage, and that's fine. But I, I want to see an outside corner be pressed up more often and maybe have more do a little bit more backpedal than bail and uh, maybe press man jam all that stuff and. You don't have to do that. There's certainly outside cornerbacks that don't do that, but that's what I think of, and that's why I really like Elam on the outside. But when it comes to Gordon, it's just it's the long speed a little bit. It's can you trust him if third and two, and you're gonna play cover one with press across the board, very common to do on a third and short situation. The Bengals are actually above average in the league at doing that. Um, so 
can you trust him to do that and not get beat on the three-step go ball to whoever? Um, I don't, I, I can't name a, a Marquise Brown. Sure. Yeah, there you go. Can, can you trust him to do it against Marquise Brown and keep up? Or is he going to get stacked and beat downfield? And then does he have the long speed to catch up? There's that gives me a little bit of a pause where I think Elam would be able to disrupt a guy like Brown and get it a good jam into him so that he doesn't fly off the line. I'm not sure Gordon can, and maybe he just stays outside and on top, but it just gives me a slight pause, just a slight pause of, okay, I could see a little bit easier of how this doesn't work out on the outside with Gordon with the long speed and a little bit of the, uh, he didn't do everything in college compared to Elam. And when I look at Gordon inside, but the Bengals have a guy on the inside, but when I look at Gordon on the inside, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> uh, not going to get challenged vertically too, too often, but that's where all the, uh, underneath stuff, he's explosive. He's quick. He's smooth. He does everything well that you want. He just doesn't have that last gear to really catch up to guys down the field, like 30, 40, 20 to 40 yards downfield. Mike, this, would he be a day one starter? Much like I asked you with Elam, you know, this is, Whoever they pick at 31, if it's a corner, everyone's going to say, all right, that's Eli Apple's replacement. Apple to the bench, and, and he's going to be the, the first guy off the bench. Is is this guy, Gordon, is he able to do that, you think? Or is this more of a, all right, you're going to be Apple's backup, but you're also going to be Hilton's backup and kind of serve as that fourth corner that can be a versatile chess piece? Ah. Uh. I think he'd be the fourth, but I don't know. When you get drafted in the first round, sometimes sure. that just makes you a starter. And it's not like Eli Apple's a huge hurdle to to cross, even though he played pretty well last year. Um, so maybe they put him in and corners are a position gets injured. So he'd probably get some playing time eventually. But I, I think he might be more of the fourth corner type that they slowly bring into the fold whether that's from a Hilton injury or they just get into a dime personnel and they use him instead of a safety or uh, an injury on the outside. I do think he might be a fourth corner, but I could be wrong. And um, I don't think he'd be terrible on the outside either. I wanted to stress that too. I just, I think he'd be great inside and I think he'd be pretty good to solid on the outside. The last note for me on these guys is Kyrie Elam is a younger player. I think that Kyrie Elam is clearly a better prospect for a number of reasons. One of those is that he's going to be turning 29 or sorry, 21 uh, in a month on May 5th. So right after the draft, he'll be 21. So a much younger player, but has experience, has a lot of SEC experience. And I, I think that the reason we wanted to talk about Kyler Gordon, I wanted to talk about Kyler Gordon today is that I don't think the Bengals have eliminated him from the first round. If, if all these other guys are gone and they can't trade back, somehow it's just doomsday scenario at 31 and all the players they want are gone. I don't know that they would hate picking Kyler Gordon, even though he did have uh, a little bit of a long speed issue. And, and you're right, Mike, uh, specifically the observation about long speed. You look at his, his 40, his splits, his 10-yard split was good. And then his 20-yard split wasn't so good and his 40-yard overall was was even worse so it does seem to be held, borne out by the numbers and the testing numbers for him on the long speed so if we you're gotta get that these... man some built bars that's what we yeah. gotta do that dude will get more gas in the tank if he gets the power of the number one protein bar on the planet i'll not, reach not out even sponsored easy. by built bar today but but there you go it's true i think i, mean, I think we went in truth. order of of the of the way that i would pick these guys linderbaum Elon Gordon. Jake, you would have Linderbaum first. Well, if you're I'm telling surprised. me I can get a guy that's a potential all pro center, I'm, I'm taking surprised. 
I'm surprised. I, I mean, so, I've so been using Linderbaum for a while. So I'm not, I'm not against Linderbaum. I just think, and we're going to have this conversation many times leading up to the draft, and we'll spend more time on it leading up to the draft. Their their fourth corner right now is Jalen Davis. Their fifth corner right now is a guy that you haven't heard of. And so last year, their fifth corner was Darius Phillips. Their fourth corner was Eli Apple around this time in the offseason. So you, you mm-hmm. feel quite a bit better about corner depth last year, and you know they're going to want corner depth this year. And I, I agree with them. They they need corner depth. So that's, that's where it Phillips gets complicated. doesn't really count, though. Like I know but, people but, but liked him. Last year, but... this time, he was seen as a good fifth corner. By fans. I also saw him as a good fifth corner a year ago at this time. He didn't play at all at defense, if I, you know, unless I'm wrong. No, he, I... he wasn't very good this year. Yeah. Uh, I'm so. not I'm not debating what he did in the past season. I'm saying last year you felt a lot better about corner depth, and I would like to feel better about corner depth. And at some point there's finite resources and so it gets complicated, but there's a lot more time for that conversation. That's a very big conversation that we don't have time for today. We'll be joined by Mike a few more times leading up to the draft to do some player deep dives on potential first round targets and beyond. We'll also have some other guests coming up as we prepare for the draft less than a month away until next time. Bengals fans. Thanks for listening. Who day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.